You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Sigbjörn Nome, the CEO and co-founder at Ignite Procurement. You see a lot of point solution only doing one thing and I think that's the mantra that you learn. You need to focus and do only one thing very, very good. And I think it's a lot of true in that. But also the advantages of having more than one entry point and the synergies between those modules is important for us. And we see that create a lot of value for for the customers. Hello there and welcome back to the SAS Nordic podcast. Happy that you are with us yet another time for our show here. And Daniel, how are you today? I'm very good. And uh, now that you said like, I'm happy that you're with us yet another time, it just made me realize, I wonder if there's somebody out there that has listened to all of our episodes. If there is, give us a shout out and we'll give you something. I don't know, a baseball cap, a fancy t-shirt or something like that. Is there somebody, Thomas, you think that has listened to each one of the episodes? It might be, uh, just going back to how I listen to podcasts. There's definitely some podcasts that I've been, you know, following from the get-go and every episode, but well, it's hard to tell. There might be one or two perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what would be curious as well, like we don't get that feedback in a structured way. We get feedback about great episodes and so on. We'd, We'd like to hear from people. Is there some episodes you really appreciate it that you think we should do more of on that topic or stuff like that? Let us know. Yeah. Or should we experiment a little bit with the format? You know, you see sometimes podcasts that are launching an episode every day, more or less. But when you look at it, it's clipped from webinars. It's clipped from the events. It's, you know, all kinds of things. And we have chosen to do sort of the same format every time, you know, having some of these standard questions, but also going into a specific um, topic every time. Um and of course, you could mix that with other type of audio content. Uh, I'm not sure what would be the best thing to do here. So if you have some feedback on that, please reach out. We are very available on LinkedIn, but you can always send an email to contact at sasnordic.com. And then it will end up in both mine or Daniel's mailboxes. And we will sort of um, yeah, respond to that almost instantly, I would say. All right. Today, we have one of those interviews and one of those topics that we're going to dive deep into. And this is an impressive company. They have a tremendous growth and uh, work in an industry that is also um, having a lot of challenges moving forward. Yep. I'm, I'm excited to, to hear their story. Here we go. Today, we are very happy to have Sigmund Nume, the CEO and co-founder at Ignite Procurement, here as a guest in the SAS Nordic podcast. Welcome, Sigbjörn. Thank you, Thomas and Daniel. Very glad to be here. It's great to have you here. And Sigbjörn, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Yes, I'm a Norwegian guy from north of Norway. Grew up in Alta. How how north? When you say north of Norway, like how high are we talking about here? Almost top top north. When I think of north of Norway, I think like basically Trondheim. Is is that correct? Uh, it's even further north. Wow. Above Tromsø also. Also to, almost top north of Norway. Wow. So it's like cold all the time. Uh, not during summer. Then you have sun all the time. But during winter, you have two months with no sun and 
quite cold, yeah. And what kind of uh, educational background do you have? I studied business at NHH in, in, in Bergen. Uh, and then after that, I worked some couple of years in SIS as a revenue manager. And then I moved to BCG as a consultant. And then was the place I was introduced to procurement. So there are a lot of procurement projects. Uh, I saw a lot of potential in working more data-driven and more strategic with, with procurement. And how come you started or was a part of starting uh, Ignite Procurement? Was it uh, always something you wanted to do, have your own company? Yeah, I always dreamt about having my own company. And at, when I worked in BCG, I saw the potential in the procurement space. Uh, it's an underinvested area, a lot of potential, working more data-driven, using the data that you, that you have. And I also was introduced to Berge, my, my co-founder. So we were football coaches together on the football team to BCG. And we worked great together there. And then we saw the opportunity to start uh, Ignite, focusing on procurement. He did a lot of consulting projects also, but more broadly than me. So he also did cost on the, like uh, reorganization, lean projects and, and procurement. But we saw that the procurement project always realized the highest return on investment and very quickly for the for the companies. All right. So we wanted to focus on, on, on that part. So did you pitch this as an idea with your existing company and they didn't bought into it? And then you're like, F it, I'm just going to start my own company. Or you knew from the get-go, like, this is too good to pitch here at BCBG. We're just running our own company. Yeah, so in, in the beginning when we left BCG, we were actually consultants. So we did projects on no cure, no pay. Okay. Yeah, I, I was about to say that uh, we have a, a similar start of our companies. It's uh, bromance-based uh, <laughs> from the get-go. <laughs> but uh, all right, uh, let's go into your company a little bit. So what can you tell us more about uh, what you guys do? What is your offering to the market? Yes, so, so we started with procurement analytics. So after doing a lot of procurement consulting projects, we saw that uh, the insights that we gave to the customers to identify opportunities for cost savings, we could automate through our solution. So we did that uh, as consultants, we did that through Excel and had an Excel model that we used. But we saw that we could automate that and give customers direct access to scale our business much more quicker than just doing consulting work. Uh, so while we did consulting, we started to build a cloud-based solution that we launched end of 2018. And you have also expanded beyond um, this analytics part, right? You, now you have four modules in your offering. So yes. what are those? So now we have four modules in our offering. So we have procurement analytics, we have carbon accounting, we have supplier management, and we have contract management. All right. But we started with procurement analytics as, as the single offering. Okay. And who is your ideal customer? You're like, you know, who is the most likely one to buy and pay for something like this? So it's mid-market and enterprise customers with quite complex uh, spend and several suppliers. So they need a solution to help managing the suppliers uh, and help ha managing the con contracts and also the uh, analyzing the, the spend. Mm. Is, it the, um, is it the amount of suppliers that is a qualifier or is it the amount of spend to suppliers if you spend you know a lot of money but only have three suppliers is this still good yeah it's, it's a combination so 
complexity both in terms of suppliers and also amount of, of spend i would say okay all right but but are you more i mean there are different kinds of companies that have a lot of suppliers it could be wholesalers but it could also be some manufacturer or so so are you a good fit for both of these categories for instance yes yeah, so we have customers across all industries basically but uh, especially targeting energy related and production related companies okay we see a lot of very good fit yeah. all right Let's see if we can dig into some of the numbers here just to put things in perspective. Just walk us through what is your ARR level today in euros and what is the percentage rate that you guys are growing here over the last couple of years? Yeah, so currently we have around 3 million euros in ARR mm -hmm. and last year we grew 120% and aiming to grow 100% this year. Nice. Those are good numbers. Those are good numbers. Congratulations. Thank you. So what is the reason that you can grow this much i think the mega trends we see in the society today uh, inflation you need to fight cost and reduce uh, your cost but also sustainability coming with full force in, into procurement with new regulations coming in like transparency act here in norway you have similar regulation coming into the rest of europe uh, and then you need a solution to help you managing your suppliers because the complexity is increasing. So not only on the cost perspective, but also on the sustainability perspective. So you can't let go of a good financial crisis and a good uh, climate crisis. Like it's like feeding you. <laughs> it, 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 it helping us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. And, and how many customers do you have and where are these customers predominantly based? In what regions of the world? Yeah, so we are, have around 130 customers now. So mainly in the Nordics is the largest market for us, but also in the UK and uh, Germany, and, and also some in, 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 in the US. Okay. But that ma mainly through partners. Mainly through partners over there. All right. And uh, how, how many are you guys uh, at Ignite to, to serve all these customers and markets? We are almost 60 people now. Okay. Do they all sit in uh, Norway or they, they're locally spread out in these regions? Uh, so we have two offices, one in Norway, where we have most of our people, and then we have one product team sitting in, in Poland. Gotcha, gotcha. So I'm curious, uh, you're growing really fast year over year here. Are you self-financed or have you brought in external capital to fuel this expansion? So we have brought in external to fuel this expansion. So in the beginning, we bootstrapped to get the first customers and the first millions in ARR. In, but then we... We raised our seed funding in 2019 and got three VCs on board. And then we also did a Series A round last year, raising 7 million euros. So how much have you raised in total? Around 10 million euros. Around 10 million euros. And that's cool. And you have three VCs on board with you that are supporting you on this journey. So how does the power relationship look like? You know, How much do you and your co-founders still have? What's the stake you have versus the external partners here. Yeah, so the em employees have more than 50%, so around 55%, and me and Berge have a bit more than 40%. Very good, thank you so much. And I guess that was uh, together, right? So it's not just 5% over to the VCs. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> generous <laughs> VCs. Yeah, cool. Um, today, we wanted to talk a bit about sales motions, and sometimes you hear that you should double down on a, one specific sales motion, and so on, but there is a lot of them out there. We have the sales-led, we have the partner-led, product-led, 
community-led, marketing-led, or, or whatever. And I know that you are working with several mm. today, at least. So maybe you could take us um, through your journey when it comes to uh, go-to-market motions. Yes. So we started selling the procurement analytics module, and that's very much traditional SaaS B2B sales, so di- direct sales, typically more than uh, one uh, meeting. So you take some time to, s- to sell it. And then we have now also introduced new new channels, so also partner channels. We have partners with KPMG, EI, uh, Accenture, and, and so on. So are they referral partners? Like the customer still signs the contract with you or... They're also reselling partners where the customer signs the contract directly with them. We have both, uh, actually. Okay. So both them them being a reseller, but also uh, them being more an implementation uh, partner. Okay. And then we also now with the new modules, that's much more self-served, easy to get started. We have moving towards product, product-led, so they, c- they can start testing Ignite for free through our website, especially on some of the modules, uh, and then uh, sign up and start paying when they're ready for it after the trial. Right. And I think you touched upon it a little bit, but just to make sure I understand stand here. Uh, so these three motions you're using, is that something you just decided that it feels like these will complement each other well, or was it the market that forced you into selling the solution this way was there maybe some region that you had to use partners or like how did you end up that this is the the best mix for you to go to market good question so uh, direct sales we know that that's working it it's uh, we get good payback on on that but we also see that in order to scale even quicker we need also to test new new channels Uh, and partners we got some large partner agreements that is so working. So we are doubling down on, on that also now. We have hiring now a partner manager that will start on, on Monday. Uh, and product-led with the new modules, uh, we, we believe scale is very important because there are also some networks effect there, getting data and, and, and so on. So make it easy to start using Ignite. Those modules are also priced much lower, so it's important for us to get volume on, on that and then making it easy to start is super important for us and then we believe in a land and expand strategy so getting them through those modules and then we can sell the full platform when they are ready for it right because it's uh, harder to sell analytics uh, and it takes a lot of time uh, but starting with the simple modules it makes it much more relevant for a larger group and then we can expand when they are ready for it Right. All right. So, so maybe I think we could spend some time both on the partner-led and the product-led side. But if we start with the product uh, partner-led, um, what does a typical sales process look like there, and what are the different responsibilities? Or uh, um, yeah, so in between you and your partners. Yeah. So typically on the partner sales, especially on the consulting partners, is typically enterprise companies okay uh, and they have good relationship with those companies because they are do, doing procurement projects for them for example and then they know about ignite they can by using ignite they can do their projects better so it's a win for the partner uh, 
And uh, for the customers also win because they get better results by using Ignite instead of Excel or other uh, solutions. Yeah. Uh, and for us, it's a way in, into the customer because they have access to the, to the customers and the relationship. Okay, but what, what's the incentives bes- besides making a good solution for the customer? What incentive does this type of partner have? Is there a kickback? Uh, is it the implementation project? Is it other things? It's both. So it's both the implementation project and the change management involved in uh, having a more analytics uh, solution in, in place. Okay. It's also the, the, the reseller for some. So they start as an implementation partner typically, and then when we see it works, they move to a reseller where they also get a share of the revenue if, if they sign up, and then also supporting the customers o- over time. So these consultants that are implementation partners, then you still own the customer? Yes, on the implementation partner. On the reseller, they, they own they own the customer. Yeah, and do you first do you do first line support in in those cases as well? Or yes, we do first line support. Yep. But reseller then then those uh, partners do first line, or they sign the contract with. Do they sign with the customer then? Yeah, we are the technical support, but they have the support on the more procurement side of it. Okay, but it's not a white labeling solution, or so it's just a reseller deal. Yes. Okay. Cool. And what do you see there? Which of these two uh, alternatives is predominant or is growing? Or is your uh, do you have a preferred setup there? Yeah, we're moving towards resellers because that's the most uh, scalable. But we typically start with more implementation partners to test the partnership and make sure that the partner is willing to invest in, in, in the partnership. And then if you see it works on some projects and some customers, we are expanding it to also uh, give them a, more incentives to, to sell it. Yeah. But uh, if you go into a new market and there is a partner that are interested in, in working with you, what requirements do you put on them in order to get started? Or do you just you know start and see, see if it's a good match? Or, or do you have sort of more... Uh, yeah, a process around this. Yeah, so first of all, we see their experience and capabilities within what we are doing, like procurement uh, analytics and procurement transformations. Yeah. Uh, and secondly, uh, it's their willingness to invest in training of their resources and, and spend time in learning the, the solution. So we typically do training with those uh, consulting companies uh, and then we want them to reuse their consultants on other projects where Ignite is involved. So train the trainer setup. Yeah. PR and communication are the keys to building awareness for your company. You want to make sure you reach the right people with the right message at the right time. My Newsdesk is a smart PR platform where you can manage all your communication efforts in one place. My Newsdesk makes it easier for companies of all sizes to create awareness and build relations with the people that matter the most to you. Don't make PR harder than it needs to be. Visit mynewsdesk.com to start your free trial. I'm listening to what you said here. You're growing really fast. You're going to go from these 3 million to hopefully 6 million. You're running these three motions, but you're still only, only, I say now, 55 people. And if you're going to have 
a product-led motion where you're going to you know train the trainer and support them and all of these things you're going to have a direct sales and you're going to have product-led like my first question is like how do you foresee the revenue split in the future between these three motions and then i have another question for you based on how you answer this yes so currently it's by far most on the direct sales uh, but partner is like one third in, in, in total. Yeah. And then we are in the very early on the product led. But I, I believe like three, four years from now, uh, it will be more on product led than on, 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 on the direct sales because that's more, more scalable. Uh, and then we will use the cross sell to sell the full packages. So we have a very high net retention rate. Right. I think that will continue to, to grow. Yeah. And that leads me into my next question because, you know, a sales-led organization versus a product-led organization, the organization, in my experience at least, on their own are very different. So the, the, how the company is set up and the roles and responsibility within the organization is very different. So my question was like, you're running these three now, motions. How do you as a CEO and where do you allocate resources for the future? Like, do you say like, you know, now we're hiring and employing and building the company and the organization to support product-led or are you still trying to somehow grow all three parts? Yeah, so we're investing in, in all three parts, but uh, moving towards product-led. So we have already always invested a lot of money on, on the product development and we have two-thirds of the company working in, in product uh, with product teams. Uh, and then as we are moving more towards product-led, like more the growth, marketing, uh, and continue to invest in product will be very important for us. Uh, but at the same time, we need revenue, so we will also continue to invest in, in direct sales and, and also open new offices outside the, the Nordics. Uh, but it's a combination of uh, sales and um, and product, but moving towards product, uh, more product-led. Yeah. And then uh, from what I've heard from other uh, companies that have had traditionally an enterprise type of sales motion, you know, well, there's a lot of people involved and a little bit higher high price tickets and so on. When they consider introducing a PLG motion of some kind, where there's a lower entry point, sometimes they're afraid that they're cannibalized on their own sales. Suddenly you have this big customer that now has the option to start really, really, really small. And like it cannibalizes a little bit on your big sale or at least it postpones it. How, how do you guys think about that? Is, is that a real risk for you? It, it could be a, a risk, but we see that as working hand in hand. So it's a good way to get in product qualified leads and then do more direct enterprise sales when you have some uh, leads using the solution from the customer. So I believe that they can play hand in hand, both direct sales and, 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 and product led. So correct me if I'm wrong here. I think some companies that wants to start with a, a product led motion, they see if they sort of could limit the product they have. So you can only use certain features or, or um, yeah, there might be some other limit to what you can do. But you are more working with modules Right, so certain modules are more suitable for the product 
led approach while some others maybe it's not available that way at all is that correct yes that that's correct so we have four modules especially two of those are moving towards product led uh, and now, now we are introducing like contract management where you can start up uh, signing up through our website and using it uh, and with a free trial and then also very uh, uh, good price to get to get started all right So there you're walking into a quite saturated market. Yes, and that's quite a commoditized uh, market. We are focusing on the supplier, like supplier at, at, at the core. Uh, so we have one niche within within that market. But the same way that like HubSpot did with CRM, like they also have offerings CRM for, for free, right, to get started. Mm. And then they build on top of that with other modules. And that's also a way for us to attract customers to get them started and then we can cross sell the other modules yeah so have you actively looked at hubspot as uh, an example of how this can be done in a good way or yeah hubspot is one for inspiration also rippling what they are doing on, on the employee data uh, so you can say that hubspot is doing this on customer rippling is doing this on employees and we are doing it on suppliers so supplier at the core that handling the supplier relations Uh, that will be more important going forward because you need to take more responsibility on your value chain and your suppliers, yeah. uh, both in terms of cost, but also especially on the sustainability side. Uh, and here we want to take that that position for for suppliers. So, have you made any acquisitions here, or is everything here self-developed? Everything is self-developed. Yeah. Okay. So. We have invested a lot of money on product development, and we have five product teams uh, now. Uh, and uh, we believe that we will get good return on those uh, going going forward. Yeah. Okay. And how how is the organization uh, internal? Like, is there like uh, a product led owner, somebody that's re- responsible for I don't know the P and L of that branch of the business? Is there a VP of product that is responsible, or oh, sorry, of uh, partners that are responsible for that branch. I, I get the sales-led motion. There's probably a VP of sales, and he or she is responsible for that. But just talk to us a little bit how in the internal organization looks and who has the responsibility for these three different branches or motions. Yeah, so we have the VP of sales, as you're mentioning, and then we have a partnership manager actually joining on, on Monday. So so far, we most of the partnerships management has been done through me or Berge, my, my co-founder. So when this uh, episode airs, you have a partner manager yeah. because this will be maybe <laughs> yes, a week. That's, that's true. And then on the more product-led, the po- product manager is very crucial for, for us there. So they are the link currently between the, the market and the product teams. Uh, but we also see opportunities there with more growth people adding that and also more like product marketers in, in, into the into the teams to so some really exciting uh, work opportunities in uh, ignite uh, the upcoming years here perhaps yes absolutely okay for anybody that wants to move to norway huh yeah <laughs> or maybe they don't have to move to norway no and, and where are you based in in norway did we cover that was it in oslo or yeah we are based in oslo okay you don't have to move up to where you come from no <laughs> you don't have <laughs> i mean you're you're still a quite young company and, and the organization you know 
it's still a small company, right? But you have chosen to have a multi-product approach quite early. So uh, why is that? Why not just focus and be you know best in class in one of these? Yes, you, you see a lot of point solution only doing one thing, and I think that's the mantra that you learn. You need to focus and do only one thing very, very good. And, and I think it's a lot of true in that, but also the advantages of having more than one entry point uh, and the synergies between those modules is important for us. And we see that create a lot of value for, for the customers. Uh, and also with the sustainability increasing in focus for companies, they need to do something about uh, the suppliers also in terms of uh, carbon, which they need to report on, but also in terms of human and labor rights uh, for the suppliers. So we're trying to address both people, profit and planet for the supplier uh, and doing that in one solution. We think it's the best way because there's a lot of synergies, especially for the mid-market where we are focusing most of our direct sales. Okay. All right. It sounds like there's a lot of things happening on your end. So if we would be sitting here in, let's say, 24 months, where would you guys be at? Yeah, we will continue to grow like 100% in the coming years. We will have more on the product-led, more of the sales there, but also the partner channel will have also more higher share than today. But still, direct sale will be an important motion for, for us. All right. So moving in that uh, direction towards more product-led, but still uh, having direct sales and partner as important channels for us. All right. And now you have a fantastic community listening to this episode. So do you want to make a shout out? Anything that you are looking for right now? Yeah, we are building a growth team that will help us on, on this journey to watch more product, product led. So if any product uh, experience with the uh, grow, building growth uh, engines, uh, taking that international, that's very relevant for, for us. Okay. And, uh, who would make you excited if we could get on the show? Anyone that you think we should interview? Yes, there are a lot of good uh, uh, Norwegian founders that I highly look up to. So uh, Anders Kvåle is also an investor in, in, in Ignite. He's founded Spacemaker that was sold. You have Patrick Berglund in Seneta as the CEO. Very exciting journey they had. So. Some of those will be very interesting to have him on the podcast. All right. Great. Thank you for that. And thank you for being with us today. Really exciting to hear about your journey, Sigbjörn. And have a great day. Thank you for having me. Take care now. So Daniel, what's your main takeaway here from this episode? Again, I think I've said it uh, as my wrap up in other episodes that there is no one size fits all or no magical template that works for all SaaS companies. And I think it's it's cool. Uh, I don't know if it's so much of a takeaway, but it's, it's, it's cool that to see a rather young company with 3 million in ARR, just 55 people, or really betting hard on three parallel go to market motions it's the sales led it is the product led and it is the partner led i think it's cool to see that it works it doesn't hinder them it doesn't distract them and somehow resource wise they manage to allocate enough resources at the right time to get this working so i think once again it's like you got to find your own path to success and in their case it seemed like they capitalized on 
some macro trends. They saw an opportunity to sell more into the same type of customers and profiles and they just ran with it. So they, I think it was cool how they expanded the product in a clever way. So good for them. Absolutely. Yeah. What about you, Thomas? Going back a little bit, I mean, from, from the start, how this all started was that they had a deep understanding of the, the problem for the customer and also where the industry was going, that it went towards more complexity, more regulation and stuff. And so that here's a great opportunity to build something valuable that will not be commoditized and where they can solve the real problem. And, and then around that, they they see that there are other connected or solutions that might be more simpler and, and that could be a great way of, of land and expand and, and getting new PQLs in into the the funnel so um, well, I, th- I think there is a lot of opportunities there if you if you find similar use cases yeah indeed indeed and I mean once again it's going to be interesting to to follow Siegbjörn's journey Ignite's journey here and see where this ends up and you know how, how they manage to to manage these three motions in parallel here so exciting times ahead absolutely and uh, exciting times ahead that's what we can expect from uh, what we do at SAS Nordic here with upcoming SASIS events so uh, looking here into the fall we are planning for three events actually we have the big SASIS digital we actually set the date for that, Danny, right? Yeah, it's end of September. It's still a little bit of a floating exercise, whether we do one day or two days, but end of September. Yeah, exactly. But we can give you sort of the best educational guess for the moment, so you can save the date a little bit. So right now we are aiming for the 27th or 28th of September. Uh, we are planning for a sassiest investor day uh, to help SaaS companies find funding and uh, we will design that uh, in a way that I think can be, be, you know, a good setup, maybe a little bit different setup of uh, other events that you go to within that area. It's more of a vetted exercise, like, a, like can I swear on this? It's not swearing, so, but there's not going to be bullshit and just coffee meetings. It's going to be a little bit of a vetting exercise and only serious meetings are going to happen yeah and and also in the end of the year uh, we're gonna have a sassy's job stay so we see here there are companies that are hiring so we hear that there will be some exciting opportunities here at ignite procurement and uh, at the sassy's job stay in december you will be able to present your company and uh, your sort of um, what you're planning to hire and open positioning right and in the meantime, they don't have to necessarily wait till December. If they, if there's a SaaS company and SaaS representative listening here, Thomas, and they want to find talent now, where can they go? You can go to sassisjobs.com. And if you want to know anything about what's going on here in the SaaS Nordic community, you can head over to sasnordic.com where we gather all the articles, all the podcast episodes but also information about what's uh, happening moving forward so uh, hope to see you there hope to see you in uh, the community channels and uh, have a really great day take care now 